Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I am talking to Lior Klinsman. He is a co-founder over at Sentent. Now, Sentent is a company that is in the managed IT services business, but this guy has been doing entrepreneurship ever since he was 12 years old, selling bagels outside of, of an arena. I think it's what, uh, or a stadium is what you were saying earlier, Lior. So welcome to the show. I'm really excited to get into your backstory and your entrepreneurial journey thus far. Thanks for having me, Lance. Great to be here. Okay, so right off the hop, I just want to get it out of the way. What are three things that in this long entrepreneurial journey that you've been on that you've uncovered as being secrets to success that basically every entrepreneur needs to know or have a handle on in order to be successful as well? I think the first and the most important one is uh, failing fast. Uh, I think you need to get very comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting comfortable with failures. Uh, yeah. Failures are a great uh, part of the journey to success. Uh, and it's not how many times you fail, it's how fast you get up. So yeah. I think that will be the most important thing is to get up fast because inevitably everyone is gonna fail. The yeah, ones who succeed is the one who keep getting back up and, and continuing and pushing. Uh, so that will be the first one uh, that yeah. you pick off. Yeah, and, that, and that's a really great one. and I. And I, I also like to reframe that as not necessarily a failure, but a lesson, right? Because that's the problem is when we start to think about these, you know, setbacks sometimes or the challenges that we run into, if we start to frame them in a different way than failure, it's a lot easier to, I think, move past it because we beat ourselves up when we fail right? We, that's, there's a, it, it hits us in the ego, but as well as the pocketbook sometimes. Uh, but there's also an emotional, uh, you know, toll that it takes on us. And so if we can think about in terms of, no, this is just one step in the journey and nothing's ever smooth. Uh, you know, everything that we had to do when we were learning how to walk, we fell down and we bruised ourselves. Uh, when we learn how to ride a bike, the same thing, right? Like it's, they're all things that we can overcome. Uh, and uh, it's just one step in a lot of steps to success, I think. Absolutely, and each one of those steps is, a, as you said, a learning lesson. Uh, yeah. You learn more from those failures than those successes because you learn what not to do again. It's, an, it's just imperative. Uh, and some people do, actually most people take failing with a bad connotation. Uh, where some people, I think that's more, more, more common to serial founders who already experienced it once or twice that failing becomes a, a, a way of engagement, of an intrigue and of curiosity. Okay, what can we do to fix it? Or what can we do to do it better next time? Let's push. Uh, so I think it turns into being a great connotation once you start being very comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I love uh, what I hear some people say is that, you know, when it hurts, when it's uncomfortable, that's when you know that you're growing as well. And it doesn't matter if it's when you're at the gym or if you're, you know, building your business and doing things. It's uh, yeah. it, you have to be pushing yourself to the place of of failure oftentimes before you can really grow and 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 have those massive steps forward. Okay, so yeah. what what's number two? Guess not, number two will be perseverance, speed of execution. That'll be both of them. Executing fast, making changes as you go, and persevering through those changes, through the challenges, through the obstacle, and through the successes also. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think that's for me, for my experience, seeing other working with other founders and working in my companies, uh, came up to be one of the most uh, imperative. Also, part just like failing fast will be the perseverance and that speed of execution. You know, you can think about things you want to do all day long, but if you're not doing them, it's not going to help you. Yeah. So, you know, it's something ascending that I always have in the back of my mind. Say what you do, do what you say. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, try totally. to live by that both professionally and personally. Okay, so what's a third one then that you want to talk about? I, the third one for entrepreneurship it might sound horrible, but I think it's a higher, slow, fire, fast. Mm. It's a, it's not one that many people like to talk about. Uh, I myself don't believe in a, in firing per se, but I do believe in making necessary changes. Shall they need to be taken? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I think for what I do as a service business, but even for a startup, hiring slow. But if you see that someone is not performing can get very malicious very fast that's where the firing fast come so making those changes as a founder seeing always what's going on culturally within your team and i think after a month or two months when somebody's in when you've hired somebody with the information you know by then you can make the decision if that person was is good hire or that person is a bad hire and if they're a good hire go and tell them there's nothing more important of saying a good feedback to somebody. Yeah. But not less importantly, if you see that it's on the other side, going to make that changes. Because how many times, you know, if I got a dollar every time I spoke to companies that have failed or companies that had the founders have broken up, it was always, we knew that it's going to happen. We knew from the moment we've hired. So why did yep. you stuck with them? So you yeah. hear it quite often. So you, and you do see it's, a, it's kind of a trend. And that's why I think it's one of the more, the number three for me, even though it's not a fun topic to talk about. No, no. And, and I, I really appreciate the fact that you're bringing this one up because this is something that we as, as founders, as, uh, or even senior management teams, like when I was first, uh, you know, in a managerial kind of position uh, and you're hiring those people and then to, let them go. I always would place more emphasis on what I maybe could have done differently to have, uh, you know, help them achieve or, or to develop into the person that we needed them to be. And so just like you said, the, in the early days and within those first 90 days, you, you get a pretty good sense as to whether or not this is a good fit. And then I think there's an ego that kind of kicks in a little bit with us too, where uh, and not ego in the sense that we're walking around with our chest out thinking that we don't make any mistakes, but there's a bit of an ego there that it's like uh, you don't want to um, let go or abandon that person or to, uh, you know, basically move on from them because you're the one who hired them. And so you saw something in them, you saw the potential and you want to kind of nurture that as much as you can. And um, so oftentimes when I have fired slow, it's because I've questioned whether or not I did enough to get them to where they needed to be. And at the end of the day, when it comes to founders of, of businesses, we often just don't have that time, the luxury of time to be able to dedicate as much uh, in the training and in the nurturing and in the coaching and stuff as what 
you know, would be ideal. And so when we're moving fast, you kind of have to stick with that fast fire mentality as well. Um, and it's painful, like you said, uh, but that has, has been and continues to be an area that I, I struggle with and can still improve in. And I believe it a hundred percent that you do need to move a lot faster off of people because you, like you said, you talk to them afterwards and you're always with other people, other founders. And it's like, yeah, I knew, I knew at the beginning, I, sh I needed to make a move. Yeah. Yep. I, it's and tough. Uh, it's it's extremely tough and you hit the nail on the head with that it's i think it's definitely ego but other than ego it's also being scared it's yeah. never fun to go to somebody and tell them hey that you need to let them go it's yeah. th there is almost nothing that i can think of worse than that conversation yeah so other than the ego of what could i have done better because the first thing you do is, hey, I could have done this and I could have done that. And maybe if I give a little bit more time or I give a little bit more resources or a little bit more patience, that person would have turned to be who I would hope them to be. Exactly. But deep inside, you know, that's not the case. And yeah. you, you justify it by telling your ego, no, it's okay. It's me who is at fault, even yeah. though you and your ego knows that the right decision will be to go and let that person go yeah with uh, with as difficult as it may be and you'll probably if you're you know if you care about your team it's like either you won't sleep for a couple of nights or a few nights because of it because of that feeling that you needed to let somebody go but on the other hand if you're looking at the business for the for the sake of the business, you probably did the right decision by letting them go and not continue. Because I'm willing to bet that six months in or a year in, I'll come to you and I'll ask you the same question and it will be the exact same answer. The only difficult part is by then, some other team that knew that you should have let that person go yep. lost trust in your capability as a leader. Yep. So it's it, it, you're getting it's a double-edged sword if you're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a must. And it's something that we all have to develop that skill. And I think what makes it particularly difficult, I believe, for entrepreneurs is that we are naturally, uh, just by the nature of us becoming entrepreneurs, we're optimists. We believe that we can you know, move mountains that we, that our product or service is going to, you know, help the market, whatever it is that we're, we're doing is going to help the people that we're doing it for or enable them to do things and so on. And so we're all about the dreaming and the optimism. And when we hire somebody, we always are seeing the incredible attributes that they're bringing to the table. And we believe in them. We believe in their potential, just like we believe in the growth of our business and everything else. And so I think it, 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 we are naturally just going to struggle with this particular topic, I think, uh, because of how we're hardwired as individuals, as humans. Yeah, yep. I, I completely agree. I, I yeah. don't think it gets easier to anyone. Yeah. You just learn to cope with it. That That's just a part of the process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those. Now, what I would love you to do is uh, just give everybody a snapshot as to what uh, Sentent does, uh, what problems are you guys trying to solve uh, and for whom, I guess? So Sentent uh, works in the IT security and compliance space. Uh, we're, the company is a service company and we work with startups and their investors. The work that we do comes down to trying to help a startup grow 
or to help a VC grow in a sense of their investors or grow in a sense of investing more and being more secured and to keep their security in shape for regulations, uh, compliance, and of course, the functionality. We provide anything ranging from day-to-day -day support on the IT, on your fleet, on the onboarding and offboarding of your users, we just talked about the hiring and firing. The onboarding and offboarding has a huge part in it, all the way to migration, automation services, implementing, for example, single sign-on services like Okta and the likes, uh, all the way to helping with compliance. So as you well know, probably, every startups in the B2B SaaS need to be compliant with SOC 2. If you're in the financial services, there is SEC and NIST regulations that applies to most of the VCs. And each one of those organizations need to comply one way or the other with the regulation compliance that apply to their sector and their industry. That's where we come in to solve that gap so they can, the, our clients can keep on focusing on what they do and we can take that blocker and that red tape for, per se to help them move forward. So if it's a startups to sell more and to be unblocked from security contractual questionnaires that come from prospective sell, if it's for venture capitalists to help with their LPs and institution with security contractual agreements that come from there and so forth, helping them with their due diligence on their portfolio companies and so forth. So that's what we do as a whole. We're, our, we're startups' backbone when it comes to technology and security. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, IT managed services in that area, every business needs it. And especially with, you know, the onslaught of the pandemic and and how we had this distributed workforce and all of a sudden, which created all sorts of security, but device management, onboarding, offboarding, all of those issues just like really got amplified uh, during that period of time. And now that's our, our reality uh, now more than ever before. And so in terms of sticking just to the startup ecosystem, um, why did you choose that versus just taking the broader, hey, we can do this for everybody. I'm just curious why you niched down and, and your thought process behind that. I think for service businesses, I think working in a specific niche is what should happen. We have seen many companies like ourselves trying to hit everything and never being able to get stickiness from anyone of the sectors that they're trying to reach uh, in their pipelines. For us, both myself and my business partner worked at other startups historically prior to Sentin and seen MSPs in action and worked for other services companies as well to see yeah. what went right and a whole lot of things that went wrong. I think that's where it, it comes from, from Sentin specifically to provide those the services to our clients. So in terms of the growth of your business, um, I think you were saying it, you're going into year seven, right? right. Uh, so you're just wrapping up your year seven. So 2016 is when you started. Um, and so what has, I guess, changed or gotten easier at this stage in the business versus what it was when you were bootstrapping this company uh, seven years ago? Wow, a whole lot of things. I think in the beginning, creating the brand recognition, doing the, the footwork uh, that's so important, knocking on doors, uh, making a name out of yourself, 
yeah. and not only that, but also trying to do good work while trying to bring new clients was one of the biggest challenges. Uh, yeah. I've spent uh, the first two years of uh, sending inception uh, mainly outside the house. Uh, it cost me with a whole lot of other things, but I think that's the work that founders need to be doing, depending on what sector you are, is that groundwork, is that to really build a brand and be there and answer and build the DNA and speak to clients and educate clients why they should choose you for many other options. And when you're starting, your differentiators are hard to understand fully. You know what you're in business for, you know what you want to do differently, but it's really hard to break down exactly why they should go with you versus another, other than that you're being a nice person and smiles well. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the work of really understanding the services, cultivating the services, cultivating the language in which we speak to startups. Yeah. But the idea to work with them and their investors was the passion to help something small become large. That fascinates me as an entrepreneur myself. Taking yeah. something from zero and growing it, uh, there's nothing more gratifying than this. So we yeah. wanted to do that for many others and also experience success with ourselves, but not only just grow Ascendant, by growing Ascendant, we're going to help grow our clients' environments. And yeah. when our client get a, gets acquired by a top brand, that's for us a, a time to raise a toast because that's the success. That's the gratification. That's really what we're in business for. Yeah, I, and I I just completely understand what you're talking about there because with our business, Ample Media, on the marketing side of things, we really like working with uh, B2B businesses who are in the services realm, so companies like yours, that are looking for growth, for rapid growth. And so, uh, you know, like we can build websites for anybody. We can build out, you know, sales funnels and campaigns for anybody. But the ones that really juice us up are the growth companies, the ones who are focused on trying to grow and then us being a part of that, um, that is the reward at the end of the day. I, yeah. I just absolutely love it. And and again, just like you, I think is, you know, I love being an entrepreneur in growing a business, this business, our business, um, but then also that our service is something that is used to help other businesses grow. So huge alignment there. I totally get what you're talking about. It's so rewarding to see the success of others. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's an honor to take part of those yeah. journeys of clients. And you see a lot of humility from from getting, for example, a thank you letter for being an integral part of that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's nothing I think other than helping our team and do successes for them personally. That's the second thing that gratifies the most. And I think that's why myself and you are fortunate with service business where founders in a startup see their environment, they see their environment grow. We're fortunate enough to see many environments grow and be yes. in many people's journey. Yeah, it's it, We see a lot, we many different flavors, many different sectors, many different hu human beings uh, for many different cultures as well, succeeding or not succeeding in the businesses and you get to see trends and you get to learn. And the ones that do being a part of that journey it's uh, I, I'm sure why both of us are in uh, the businesses that we are. Yeah, completely. Okay. So speaking of that, I think that's a good transition into 
you know, the, the fact that you guys have uh, grown and you've been acquired, right? And so that happened last August, I think you were saying. And, and so the first six years of the business, you went from startup, you know, no customer base up to now then becoming an acquisition target and completing that deal. That must have been one of the proudest moments that you've had in the current business as well. Yep, it's one of uh, the proudest moments that I've had in my life, uh, period. Uh, yeah. That proud moment doesn't specifically come from the acquisition number, for example, which funny enough, until this day, we have never celebrated it. Uh, <laughs> I think the success for us and the true tear dropping in the eye was when we knew that our team's future and company's longevity is now secured. Yeah, I think that for us spoke way more magnitude because as a bootstrap company, those six years have been challenging and you can imagine how many sleepless nights we've had thinking, hey, what if something happens? Both of our personal finances are attached to the business, of course, and we're in the startup phases and we're growing and we're growing and we're growing. We're going 300% year over year. What happens if something goes wrong? You always think, okay, great. When things go well, they're great. Nonetheless, challenges, but what I call happy challenges. What yeah. if they become the actual not non-happy challenges? So I think yeah. the biggest the biggest reward that we got from it is the longevity of our baby that we've created and our team's future. Yeah. 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 I I I know what you mean, right? Like in terms of just the pressure that we have as entrepreneurs to meet that payroll, uh, you know, and, and manage the cash flow. And when you're bootstrapping it, it's just so, so difficult because that's, that's what we did as well. There's no, no investors, no loans. It's just, just myself actually. And, and, and so you're, you have all these mouths that are being fed, all those families that are relying on the business. And so if we make a, a misstep or two, you, you know, it could cost the business it could cost, uh, you know, people, their jobs and, and their livelihoods and so on. And so I, I agree with you. My proudest moments actually in this business have really been when we have our, you know, social gatherings, uh, which used to be all in person, but now because we have a, a workforce around the globe, uh, the virtual ones, when I can look across and, and see all those smiling faces and and just know that, you know, we are providing for them and their families, it, it really does mean a lot to me um, as the founder of this business. And so it, it's it's a special feeling to be able to do that, to create something that is giving as opposed to just taking something, you know, from, from the market. Yep, absolutely. I think the DNA that we brought for us was, hey, let's create a workplace where we ourselves would have wanted to work in. Yeah. Yeah. kind of be the manager that you yourself would want as an individual contributor. That yeah. was the ethos where we built the company. And I think there's nothing more important before clients, before anything than the team. Yeah. And I always call them team and not employees because I see companies as a one living organism. And if you're one living yeah. organism, it's one. And the team is one. It's not separate. There's no employees. There's no bosses. There's everybody working for the same goal. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's steering the ship, but the ones who are rowing, are more important than the one who's steering. <laughs> yeah. I can steer all day long if no one rows, will will be standstill, and I can exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think it all starts from the team, and uh, the more I'm 
I'm happy to see that more and more founders talk about it, understand it. You still yeah. see some other sides of the coin, which is unfortunate, especially with the uh, riffs and uh, yeah. things like that. Some who are really care about it, some who simply don't. Uh, but in the end of the day, that's my philosophy. And from here and here, that's your philosophy as well. Yeah. Now, I, I'm really curious because you have uh, lived in seven different countries. You've been an entrepreneur in, in most, if not all of them. Uh, so you have lots of, uh, you know, a, a wide body of experience to draw upon. What is different about entrepreneurs or entrepreneurship in you, the U.S. or North America compared to some of the other places where you've lived? I think the main the main one will be the the, the immigrant status, and I'll explain. Okay. The U.S. is the biggest market. The the majority of startups, at least that that I work with and come by, want to operate here. Okay. So for a European or anywhere outside, actually, from the U.S., a founder to bring in their business to work in the U.S. market, they have to become an immigrant. And that brings a different set of challenges. I'm not saying it's easier or harder. That's depending on the, on the person. But it brings different challenges that not, now you're not only working on the business. You're also working on making a life for yourself. Personally, making friends, making community, feeling a sense of belonging. Those are all hard things to do. Yeah. Very hard things. Uh, some that can actually make a person give up, regardless of the business. Even if the business is going well, I've seen people give up on having their businesses here because they just couldn't see themselves living here or vice versa in other places. So I think that's the first thing that comes to mind between a non-US founder to a US founder. U.S. founder, they play in their own backyard. Yeah. The market is their own backyard. They have their universities to draw connections and networking. They have friends. They have homes, communities. They can focus on the business. Many different challenges, but they can focus on the business. So I think if, if I had to say what's the difference between entrepreneurs, because I work with many immigrant founders trying to move their businesses to the U.S. as a part of giving back, like my mentors gave me in the earlier years. I see that oftentimes come again and again and again. It's the personal part of moving to a new country, of making it in a new country, let alone trying to run a business at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. When we've showcased uh, people who are immigrants to the country in which they are operating their businesses in the past, I mean, that's one of the things that I, that I always applaud them on. And it's just the fact that they're able to overcome all of the typical hurdles that are there starting a business and running a business. And, you know, we talked before we hit the record button that, you know, those first five years, if you make it through that, like you've made it through the valley of death. And, and so it's really difficult to start a business and have it sustain uh, longer than five years. Uh, and so then to have like a cultural difference or a language barrier, or like you said, the lack of connections because you don't know anybody here and stuff like it's just such a monumental task to, to, to overcome. Like I can't even imagine going to Israel and trying to start a business there or going anywhere else, uh, especially if there's a language barrier. And yet the immigrant entrepreneurs you know, they're just knocking it out of the park at times. And it's really exciting to watch. But, uh, you know, I just applaud them for all their efforts because it's tough. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
the first thing I want to say is they have more to lose, but I don't think it's, I don't feel integrity saying it because I don't think, I think both sides have a lot to lose. I think the losing on the immigrant founder part, doing it and not succeeding is a double loss. Is the personal, hey, I did, not only the business didn't succeed, but I as a person didn't succeed in trying something new in a different place. And that doesn't yeah. feel, that actually hits, we talked about ego earlier in that conversation. That probably hits the ego way more than my business didn't succeed. Yeah, 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 I suppose, eh? So, okay, so in terms of, of um, you know, the, the things that uh, inspire you, I'm always curious about, uh, you know, different entrepreneurs. You seem to, you know, like you said, it's, it's not so much about, are we making lots of money or not? Uh, you're really about the, you know, did you help some businesses grow and stuff, but where do you find your inspiration on a day to day? Because there's still those days that are tough, right? As an entrepreneur, uh, you know, the, as they say, the shit flows up when, uh, to the boss. And so, uh, the founders are dealing with a lot. How do you stay positive? How do you keep moving the business forward in the roughest of times? What inspires you to just keep on going? summing it up to a couple of words is don't take anything personally i mm. try not to take anything personally because once you start taking things personally if a client churned or an employee employee left or is unhappy or you went down the street to the coffee shop and the person the counter were, was really mean to you we can take things personally so quickly and that changes our day completely and then once I really believe in thoughts create reality, once you're in the negative thoughts reality, yeah. everything will look bad. So yeah. I try to not take things personally and I recommend many others to not understanding that, hey, shit happens. I'm sorry for my French. And <laughs> inevitably things will go wrong. Let's not take it personally. Let's take a deep breath. And I think meditations are a great uh, tool for that. And when I get to those moments, I do a meditation and it really helps me relax and move forward. That's why yeah. I say it, when I talked about failing fast or perseverance is those times where things are not always at the best. And what keeps you inspired is you love the problem that you're in. So for us was IT. I think founders falling in love with the problems that they created their businesses to begin with. Not the solution, the problem itself. It's what inspires you. If you absolutely love your product, your services, and authentically, absolutely believe in it and love it, why wouldn't you continue being inspired? Why yeah. wouldn't you continue being, even if it's hard? Life is hard. Everything is hard. Yeah. And, if, and if you don't take it personally, you understand, okay, it's hard. Now it's a harder time. And tomorrow is going to be a, and the founder journey is the roller coasters. One day you're at the top of the world. Um, you know, I'm rocky. The other day I'm in the bottom of the barrel. Uh, let's find a hole to, to do myself in. Yeah. What inspires me mainly now is uh, immigrant founders. Uh, yeah. A lot of passion for that because I've experienced it so many times in my own skin and my own. Uh, mentality in my own being uh, and it wasn't hard none of the times i could say that it was uh, easy uh, to live in a different countries to make new friends to make uh, new communities to get along to feel a sense of belonging 
Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what inspired to not take anything personally and know what's your goals in life and what you want to be doing. Yeah. Be authentic. Yeah. Be authentic. Exactly. Okay. So now if you had the power to be able to send back in time a letter to your younger entrepreneurial self, and I know you said you've been an entrepreneur since age 12, so I'm not sure exactly what age you're going to send this back to, but what would you tell yourself in that letter? I'll tell myself that everything first, that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. That at times it's going to get really hard, but know that it's going to be okay. And then I will tell that younger self to read a book where I think everybody should read. It's called The Four Agreements. Mm, yep. And I would tell that younger me to take it and don't take anything personally is the second agreement of that book. Uh, being impeccable yeah. with your word will be the first. Uh, and I think those two agreements, other than the, the next three and four, are so important are just at most important for for life. So that's what I would do. I would tell them that everything is going to be okay, even though it's, you're going to experience harder times. Keep what you're doing, get things done, push, and read the four agreements. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah, I, I know the book for, very well, actually. Yeah, so um, that's uh, that's really cool. I haven't had anybody actually bring that up in the 230-odd uh, interviews that we've done. So usually they go to more of a business-focused kind of book. Uh, this one here is definitely uh, very useful for in all areas of your life. And so I echo it, uh, what you said there. Definitely pick up that book when you get a chance because it will have profound impact in every aspect, your personal relationships, your business relationships, um, and just the mental grounding that you need to have as an entrepreneur, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, really absolutely. Good yeah. Well, this has been really fun, Lior. I really appreciate you coming on the show. If somebody wanted to reach out and learn more about the company or, or to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Either probably LinkedIn, LinkedIn okay. uh, or email Lior Klisman, my first last name at gmail.com. Be more than happy to talk to anyone. And awesome. thank you so much for having me. I, just, I enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Uh, always fun talking to you. And thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah, it's great talking to entrepreneurs. And this has definitely been a wonderful conversation. And for those who are listening here today, if you really enjoyed this and you want to check out some other entrepreneurial journeys and the stories that come along with that, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find our archive. And of course, you can just search Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform and be able to see some back issues and future ones as well there. So definitely check it out. Until next time, everybody, have a prosperous day. Bye.